This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin and JT English. What's up, guys? Hey, guys. Well, How we doing? JT's eating lunch. Finishing lunch. Everybody yeah. eats lunch. You, you say it like it's a thing of shame. <laughs> Don't we all eat lunch? Yeah, we <laughs> all... Having to, we, having to listen to it in high def. We all eat lunch. Hey, it's true. This, it's a Qdoba bowl. I'm just going to give you guys a little tip. Get a burrito bowl, but they have fried taco shells that they use for their salads. You can put the burrito bowl in it. You can thank me later. It's great. Wow. Thank you for that hot tip. I really appreciate that. That's the kind of stuff that people come to Knowing Faith for is JT's Qdoba recipes. So, I'm just saying, you come, you come for Bible literacy and you come for like exquisite food advice. Yeah, absolutely. Both of those things. And and you're a master of both of them. Hey, before we jump into the episode today, we want to thank our sponsor for this season, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. You may have been listening to Knowing Faith and thinking, hey, I want more of this kind of stuff, but I'm not really sure that seminary would be right for me. Well, Southern Seminary has created sbts.edu slash explore specifically for Knowing Faith listeners to help them discover the right degree for their goals. This online diagnostic tool considers the theological training you have now, factors in what more you want to accomplish, and explores with you the Southern Seminary degree that will prepare you to do more for the kingdom of Christ. Whether you're exploring the idea of theological training or you feel called to full-time ministry, you can get personalized guidance at sbts.edu slash explore. And what we're exploring today, boom. Did you see what I did there? That was really good. I am am a professional, y'all. You're a professional, Kyle. Thank you. So today we're going to be jumping into Romans 8, 31 through 39. And so uh, that's, you know, we've been in Romans and we're kind of, we're ending this part of our Roman study in, in season eight, next season, when we pick back up in the spring, we'll start in Romans nine, but we wanted to finish where the text finishes in Romans 8, 31 through 39. I'm going to ask JT if he will read Romans 8, 31 through 39 for us, and then we will dig into it. JT, go for it. I mean, let's do it. This is a great text. Uh, Romans eight, beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will we not also with him graciously graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Uh, so, yeah, this is a wonderful passage, concluding these first eight chapters here. But I think before we dig into this, I'd love to just do a little bit of a recap. When we began in Romans 1, we began uh, with the, 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 the fact that this is a letter Paul is writing to the church in Rome, a church he's not been to. The church is probably composed of both Gentile and Jewish Christians. There is some level of division in the life of the church. That's what we begin to encounter in Romans 2. And Paul is wanting to make it clear that the problem and the solution are both universal, meaning they're available to all. And so Romans 3, there's no one who's righteous, no, not one, no one seeks after God. Basically, hey, Jews, hey, Gentiles, you all have the same problem, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then he points to Abraham in Romans 4 as a picture of faith that preceded circumcision. He begins to build the argument for justification, which he details 
in Romans 5. He anticipates objections to the kind of radical free gift of grace and justification that he taught in Romans 5 and Romans 6 and 7. Mm -hmm. And now in Romans 8, he's begun to kind of flesh out what is it going to look like for us to live this free life in Jesus Christ. So that kind of pulls us from Romans 1 all the way through to this passage. And this passage is a glorious passage, and it opens up with what we've found to be common, which is one of those rhetorical questions, right? Paul's kind of used this throughout mm-hmm. Romans so far. Uh, what then shall we say to these things, right? He's kind of, he uses these rhetorical questions uh, as a way of moving forward uh, his argument by anticipating maybe questions or objections that people might have. I think it's fascinating. You actually get a series of questions in this passage, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we've seen him say, by no means, you know, he'll ask a question and say, by no means. Like he's been doing a certain kind of question asking up to this point. And then he gets here and he's going to ask questions that the answers are obvious to. Like he he means to imply at this right. point, at everything I've said before this, you know the answer to this question. Like he, whereas before he's raising an objection that they might have and then addressing it, here he's drawing them inexorably toward what they must conclude based on what he's already talked about. Right. Yeah, that's right. And it's not just what he's talked about in chapter 8. He's really kind of getting here to the end of chapter 8 and saying everything that's come before in yeah. the first seven chapters. What I love is he asks that question, what shall we say? And I just think about all the theological nuance that he had in the first seven, eight chapters. And here he sums up his entire argument by saying, God is for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like that's in some sense the thesis of the first eight mm-hmm. chapters. God, If God is for us, who can be against us? And again, this is a, a passage. If you can't preach this passage, get out of preaching. Like this is <laughs> just such good news. It is. If all of these things are true, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's not to say that there aren't people and powers and principalities that are against us. He's saying that those powers and principalities and people who might come against God's people will inevitably be defeated because God will be victorious. And he's already been victorious in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. I love how John Stott in his commentary on this um, passage, he says, the apostle Paul hurls these questions out into space, as it were, defiantly, triumphantly, challenging any creature in heaven or earth or hell to answer them or to deny the truth that is contained in them. But there is no answer for nobody and nothing can harm the redeemed people of God. I love that. uh, He hurls these questions out into space, as it were, defiantly, triumphantly challenging any creature in heaven or earth or hell to answer them or deny the truth, and they can't. I love that. That's really well said. These questions like, if God is for us, who could be against us? Nobody. Yeah. That's right. Nobody. Uh, But, I mean, the irony of it is, you know, you read that and you're like, well, lots of people. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like lots of people are against us, you know. I mean, yeah. and so he's he's raising their he's raising their eyes to the heavenly plane, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even at the opening of the chapter, the good news really starts to ramp up when he says, "There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus," and yet we're condemned routinely by the world for what we believe or for how we live. Um, and so then, when he says, "If God is for us, who can be against us?" Well, you know, we know from Jesus' teaching and elsewhere, lots of people are going to come against us because of this very message. Um, but he's reassuring us that the only person we need to be for us is indeed 100% wholeheartedly for us. That's right. Yeah, so it's like, it's not that we're not going to encounter opposition. Right. We are going to encounter opposition. It's just that opposition is not going to be the defining place we look to for who we are and what we Mm -hmm. should do with our lives. Mm -hmm. 
because God is for us. Yeah, we all like Bruner, and Bruner's commentary says something similar. He, he says, if it's really so that God is for us, then who in or beyond the world could ever successfully be against us? Yeah, it's not be against true. us. Of course, they're going to be against it. But who could succeed against God's powers or God's power? And he says this, the major historical proof of God being for us is simply the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what you mean, Jen, by mm-hmm. Paul is lifting our eyes to the heavenly plane of if Jesus has truly been killed, put in a tomb, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of God, where he, and this is where Paul goes next in the text, is sitting and interceding on us. What could come against us that could succeed when the Son of God has already defeated Satan, sin, and death, and is sitting at the right hand of God the Father? Mm-hmm. I'm smirking because it, I know you said sitting and interceding for us. It, it sounded like you said sitting and interceding on us, like uh, he was sitting on us. Well, that would be a picture, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it would be, and I thought, wait, what? I'm glad Paul did not say it that way. That he's sitting on us, yes. This text um, would not preach as well. I like how Kyle's <laughs> looking for someone else to mess up their words. No, I'm just, yeah, I'm, just say, I'm just saying, try, judge, not, judge not lest you be judged. Who will come against this, JT? Not him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ju- yeah just, just because you heard something doesn't mean I said it. <laughs> no, it was in there. It was in there. Let's play it back real quick. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, but it's not the only question. We get another unanswerable. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Mm-hmm. It's basically like, listen, if the father has sent the son, what do you believe he's going to hold back that's more precious than Jesus? What do you think he's going to hold back? Yeah, I think this immediately puts us in mind. I think it's supposed to put us in mind of uh, Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. He, he holds back. He's told to hold back. Mm-hmm. from. He spares his only son. Um, but the whole tension that that story builds up where you're, you know, just from a dramatic standpoint, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time that story's going along thinking, surely God will not ask this of Abraham after all those years of waiting. Uh, and, and, and yet when it comes to his own son on, on, on the sacrificial uh, altar, he does not spare him. He does not stay the knife. Uh, it's just, it's, it's high drama and mm-hmm. it's, it, he, he intends for, certainly his Jewish listeners, to feel the full impact of how that story finds its ultimate fulfillment in the story of Christ. And we know, and we know that it's not just going to be it's that good. he has given the Son, but I think that what Paul is getting at here is that he has given the Son, and in the Son are all the good things that the Father has to give, mm-hmm. uh, all the blessings, like, uh, like uh, Paul will say elsewhere, all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Every spiritual... Uh, uh, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places uh, is in Christ Jesus and belongs to us by virtue of our union with him. And so this idea, how he didn't spare his own son. What do you think he's going to hold back? Is he going to hold back his protection? Mm-hmm. No. Is he going to hold back his provision? Right. No. Is he going to hold back the fruit of the spirit? No. Is he going to hold back the blessings of covenant love and fidelity? No. He's going to give you all of those things because he has given you them in the son. The Son is the most precious thing. He is the beloved, unique Son of God, and it is in Him that all of the other good gifts come. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. In some ways, this is kind of a one-sentence summary of Romans 5, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, who's going to charge against you? Mm-hmm. Who's going to bring an, an accusation or condemnation that will stick and will be upheld by God? No one. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who can justify, Right. Yeah, none of Satan's accusations can stand the merit of Christ's blood, which pleads uh, something better for us because he is, he is there. 
you put you put the presence of Jesus of Nazareth and Satan, the accuser, in the presence of God, and God the Father is going to listen to the blood of Jesus every single time as he pleads on our behalf and mm-hmm. justifies us, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. Who is the condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Listen, for whatever voice of condemnation exists, the voice of Christ will be louder mm-hmm. than that voice. Mm-hmm. And it may not be louder in your ears in any given moment, but it is louder in the ears of the Father. And this is this is courtroom language, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yep. it's saying, or if you're put on trial in the tribunal of man, you can know that in, before the tribunal of God, you have one who intercedes for you and who pleads your case, and your case will be heard. Um, I love it. And I, I picture, you know, this always, it makes me think of... Um, well, the whole passage is the kind of thing that you would read when you're hard-pressed, right? I mean, it's the kind of yeah. thing. Uh, it's assuring um, in general terms, but it's also assuring in, in specific terms for those who are enduring persecution or those who are enduring suffering for the sake of Christ, right? And I mean, he's actually he's going to reference, um, he's going to quote from the Old Testament in just a minute, just such a situation from the Psalms. Um, and what he's saying is no matter what, you face as a result of your faith in Christ, your case is is set in the heavenlies. And I picture, mm-hmm. you could picture Stephen, you know, reading these words, saying these words at, at his, um, at his yeah. martyrdom. And yeah. I would think the martyrs of all ages um, would have had in mm. mind this idea, I can face whatever um, the courts of man are going to throw at me because I know um, that the just judge sees and my um, true intercessor intercedes for me. That's really good. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at courageforlifebible.com. That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. So we're free from condemnation. We're free because of the, uh, the work of Christ in justification and the work of Christ in intercession. And Paul goes on, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he begins to list off things. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, right? Mm-hmm. And he quotes here, uh, do, do either of y'all know the reference on this? Yeah, it's Psalm 44, 22, right? Yeah, he quotes here from Psalm 44. And 
Yeah. Yeah, I memorized that. Jen Wilkin has the Bible memorized, everybody. I definitely <laughs> looked it up before we got on the podcast. Just in <laughs> full transparency. <laughs> Anybody know where it's from? Yeah, that's the uh, second hesitations. It's interesting because in Psalm 44, the psalm is really about the people of Israel feeling forgotten by God mm-hmm. in the face of resistance and hostility and death and distress. Mm-hmm. And basically... In the psalmist, they're they're like they are um, praying back the covenantal promises of God mm-hmm. to God. Basically, like, have you forgotten us? We aren't we your people? We have not forgotten you. And after Psalm forty four twenty two, which is this verse, it, the the psalmist says this: Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself! Do not reject us. Forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And its inclusion here shall, you know, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall just tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written. And then Paul invokes, he invokes a, 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 a little like stanza mm-hmm. that probably many of the Jewish listeners would have been familiar with of being like, yes, in this decadent age, in this uh, place where it feels like there is hostility, the Jews have already experienced persecution in the church in Rome. They've been booted out of Rome. They were exiled from their home. They've come back in. Paul's addressing this church. They know this. And so Paul knows that his audience, a big portion of it is going to go, but didn't God forget us? going, no, he has not forgotten you. He didn't forget the people back in the land. He's not forgetting you now in Rome. And he's answering, no, there's nobody. There's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God in Christ. And he's using this verse to remind them, you have not been forgotten. You will not be forgotten here. And nothing is going to separate you from the love of God in Christ. And I think that's really powerful. I, as I was looking at it, I had never really gone back to look at the context of Psalm 44. I mean, I knew this verse was here and I knew it was in Psalm 44. Mm. But when I went back in as I was prepping for this to read that psalm, I've always kind of wondered why it was included here. Mm -hmm. But within the context of the psalm, it makes so much more sense to me. This is an audience that would have known, yes, the Jewish people have experienced the hostility of the world. Mm -hmm. They have been opposed. They have been killed. Mm. They have been exiled. Jews in the church in Rome have experienced this very same thing. And Paul's saying, listen, I know it. I know you have. I know you as a people have. And guess what? Nothing is going to separate you from the love of God in Christ. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. Not danger, not sword, not famine, not nakedness, not distress, not persecution, none of that. And I think that's incredibly encouraging. I think it's instructive too. I think that when we're hard pressed in the moment, we can think, um, well, it's like Jeff will say, my husband, he'll say, um, you know, we, we shouldn't live life as though we're the first human. Like he has, he has like people who he'll say, that person lives life like they're the first human. When, mm. and when a hard thing happens, they're like, oh, I have, it's no one on this <laughs> podcast though, by the way. So if, in case you were worried, he's not, yeah, yeah. It's neither of the two oh, yeah, of you. Of course, but where you're like, not. oh my gosh, what could I possibly do in this situation? No one has ever faced this before. Like a lot of times, like if, um, when someone has their first baby, you know, he'll say, oh, they're living life like they're the first human. If you look at mm. what has happened before and how people have, you know, for years and years have had babies and, and figured it out, then you have some reassurance. Oh, I can get through this too. And I think that's yeah. what, what Paul's doing here. He's pricking their Old Testament memories and saying, hey, this is not new. And the Lord's going to provide for you just as he's provided for his children for all generations. It's, it's deeply, deeply comforting to look over your shoulder. It is.
that Jeff Wilkin with some proverb wisdom right there. That's good. Uh, it even makes me think, I don't want to take us back too far, but even just to go back a few verses, something that I think is important that, that I learned um, actually when I was in seminary is we often talk about the gospel simply being that Jesus died mm-hmm. for sins. And even the Bible describes it that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. But here Paul's gospel is far more comprehensive. It's the good news, not just that Jesus died for sins, but that he was, and this is going back to even our Apostles' wow. Creed series that we did a few years back. It's not just that Jesus died for sins, but he was raised for our justification. And so when we think about even that Jeff Wilkin proverb style wisdom right there, not only are we not the first humans who've lived, the second Adam lived Mm -hmm. and made it through even death and has emerged victoriously. And that's our future too. That it's not just that we look around at each other to see who's making it, but we look to the son of God who defeated Satan, sin and death on our behalf is in the very presence mm-hmm. of God, which we will one day enjoy as well. And it is that that is the foundation of verse 37. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That more than conquerors phrase, that gets some airtime, doesn't it? You see that on shirts, That's coffee right. mugs. That's one of those uh, uh, Etsy print verses. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's out there. Um, it makes the rounds, you know. Was that the second, was that the second runner up to Mosaic Broken Butthole? Mosaic, we are more than uh, conquerors. It was going to be Mosaic, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, for we are more than conquerors. <laughs> and we know the plans that he has for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been perfect. Um, that would have been perfect. Um, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor bad logos can separate us from the love of God. <laughs> I, you know what? I love that you guys get so much mileage out of that, and I just want to tell you, I um, I, this is um, every time it's a dying to self moment for me to not have to defend it. Uh, but uh, but I love that you love it and. <laughs> And I'm going to just let it lay there. Mm-hmm. Um, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yeah, I mean, this phrase, I do think sometimes is kind of treated like a lot of other verses are treated, which is like, let's just pull it out and it's slap it on the back of a t-shirt or put it on a coffee mug. But the, the idea here is that like, no, in all these things, all these things we've endured, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. This is not about not getting your morning coffee, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not what this is. It's not like, right. you know, not today, Satan. This is not that not kind of coffee, thinking. Kyle. This is this is literally <laughs> this is literally persecution, trial, hostility, suffering. This is Paul has already given you a list of the things you can apply this to. Tribulation, distress, persecution, mm-hmm. famine, nakedness, danger, sword. It's like when we're looking into the face of the deepest, darkest places of our world and our existence in that world, we can say honestly that the Son of God has accomplished a victory that we have been credited because we are in him. I, I should say it like this. More than conquerors is not Christian carpe diem. That's not what mm-hmm. it is. It's something more than that. It's saying we have a victory. The victory belongs to Christ. And like all of the great benefits, saving benefits of God in Jesus, it is freely given to those who are in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not anywhere else, mm-hmm. not because we're great, not because we will it into being. Not, this isn't self-help. This is not Glennon Doyle. This is through him who loved us. Shots fired. Well, Glennon Doyle, Jordan Peterson, (laughs) Jocko Willink. We're not more than conquerors because discipline equals freedom. We're more than conquerors because Christ is freedom. That's, you know, it's a different thing. He goes on. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Where, JT? 
It's in Christ where, Jesus. Where else can I get it, JT? That's where it is. Well, that's the truth. <laughs> you can't man. get it from Jocko Willock, that's for sure. But I, I definitely don't want him to fight. Uh, I don't want to fight him personally. <laughs> I don't know. The way you've been working on your on your, on your your uh, technique, your ta- what are you doing, taekwondo? Uh, jiu-jitsu, but I'm not there yet, brother. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yep, yep, thank you. But yeah, this love is in Christ Jesus. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, this has got to be one of the most glorious verses in the whole Bible. Well, and I like to picture it being read to the church in Rome. Like, mm. I, I think this is the part where they start to answer back. Like, if they haven't already, you know, he's saying, like, mm. can this do it? And they're like, no, can this? No, you know, and they're, they're, the responses would start to come in at this point, the verbal affirmation of what he's saying. Um, and I think we, we forget you know, you gave a great summary of where we are thus far in the book, Kyle. In fact, I'm going to hire you to do all my quick summaries from now on for (laughs) books of the Bible. But, you know, you have to really remember what we've walked through up to this point to be able to recognize just how good this good news is. And that's one of the things that gets diminished when you pull it out of context and read it just as a one-off encouragement on a bad day or, uh, or a bad week. When you see it in the context of all of the things that Paul has said we're up against, and, and he talks about, you know, the whole creation stands in judgment against us, right, at the beginning. And now he comes and says, nothing else in creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Like all of the mm. things that stood by which we stood condemned, yeah. there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ. Um, that's huge. And that's a full circle statement there. And, um, and, and when we just lift it out to make ourselves feel, when we use it as medication, basically on a bad week, we, we miss um, mm. the, just the expansive um, nature of what he's saying here. When, by the time he hits heights or depths, we know exactly how broad the heights and depths are based on all the arguments he's made up to this point. I love it. No, I mean, this is the, this for me, honestly, I can remember, I've said this before, I can remember where I was when I read this paragraph. Mm-hmm. I can remember the desk I was sitting at. I can remember I was in my college dorm room and I can remember reading this and feeling like the well opened up inside of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, James Boyce describes wow. this paragraph this way. He says, this is a mountaintop paragraph. It is the Everest of the letter and thus the highest peak in the highest Himalayan range of scripture. I love that. The highest peak in the highest Himalaya- Himalayan range of scripture, the Everest of yeah. the letter. Mm-hmm. That is, it almost, when you're reading it, I can't help. Anytime I hear a public reading of this, I can't help. It almost feels like it's building momentum. Starting from verse 31 mm-hmm. all the way through 39, it feels like it's just like just kind of building and building and building and building. And then it's just like this fireworks show in verse 39 that just kind of wows us and kind of warms the heart in a really significant way. I got to tell you, I, there's really no better place for us to end this season. As I look back on season seven of Knowing Faith, I was so excited for us to dig into Romans together. It was the first time where all of us were going to be doing like in our personal preaching and teaching ministries, the same thing while we were doing the mm-hmm. podcast. We've ne- that's never happened before. And it's been so rich to dive into it. And I yeah. feel like every chapter I've walked away from, some of them are harder than others. I mean, some of them are just, not, they don't feel like this passage. They feel yeah. different. <laughs> this um, is our great reward. Yeah. For, <laughs> for making it through the first yeah. part. But you're right, Jen. I think that the, it would have been amazing to hear the original audience receive this and the kind of relief and breath yeah. that would wash over them, right? Yeah. It is a, a, a good place to 
end this season because in Romans 9, Paul is going to dive even deeper into some really dense topics. He's going to kind of get into the thick grass, um, but he's right before that, he's left them. We're stopping here, but I can promise you when Phoebe's reading the letter, she doesn't go, okay, come back next season uh, for the... (laughs) Right. Smoke break. Oh uh, yeah, well, well uh, this is a two month break here that we're that we're taking. Um, no, I mean she w- she would have moved right into the next portion. Part of me feels this a little bit at our church, so we're behind both of you in terms of teaching at Storyline. Like we're, I just finished Romans four, so the great thing about doing this <laughs> podcast is it's great sermon prep time. Uh, I just take all I just take all the quotes. I'm like write that one down. My church thinks I'm a genius. It's incredible. But but the reality is, I mean, so like it, this this passage is kind of a bookend with Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And this is what he means by gospel. Like he's he's kind of getting us to the point of the son of God mm-hmm. has been crucified and resurrected on your behalf. Therefore, nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's kind of a, you know, proto form in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, more deeply explained here. But our church just kind of was slogging through chapter 2, 3 and 4, where there's definitely some good news, mm-hmm. but there's also lots of bad news. And so part of the, I think the, the down, I mean, I, I love preaching expositionally. We're going slowly, 18 months. I know you're doing the same, Kyle and Jen, over the course of a semester. This would have been good for the church if when Phoebe's mm-hmm. reading this to hear this news quickly. You know, it, it, sometimes I think we can think of Romans chapter two and it's like, oh my gosh. And we take 10 weeks to get through it or five weeks to get through it. Paul brings relief to the hearers about the yeah. good news mm-hmm. of God's love for them quickly. He doesn't make them linger in their sin. He reminds yeah. them of it, but then reminds them of the beauty of the riches that can be found only in Jesus. Oh, man, I can't believe we've made it all the way to the end of Romans 8. I just think it's wild that we did this uh, in a season. Do you, what do you, how do you guys feel finishing up this season? I feel like we barely scraped the surface. That's how I feel, too. <laughs> I know. Are we allowed to admit that? Because that's how it feels. I think we are. And I think that's important for our listeners to be yeah. reminded, like, we're still learning, too. Like this, like we are students of the Bible, not just teachers of the Bible. And there's so much, I just want to thank the two of you that I've learned from you and or the commentaries that we've read. Like this never ends. You never stop the process of learning. You keep digging in. You keep reading the same texts in different seasons. And God doesn't change Mm -hmm. the meaning of the text, but he deepens it for us as we are full of the spirit and we grow in faith in Christ. Yeah, I feel like I've, and I've really enjoyed, uh, honestly, the guests this season. I really enjoyed having them on and hearing yeah. uh, people who've thought about this a long time uh, weigh in on on certain passages mm-hmm. because it just reminds me, you know, like I can, the book of Romans is going to be beneficial to me. I'll never know it as well as some of our guests know it. Um but what if there were a book of the Bible? I could know that well. Like yeah. I, it's challenged me again to think, okay, you know, like I've mentioned this before. What if I knew Genesis as well as these people know Romans, you know, and, and, and that we can't necessarily commit to have this depth for every single book of the Bible. We can learn from those who have it, but we could choose one and really dig in because the seeing the fruit of that deep scholarship that they've done, just sort of those effortless thoughts that they would drop in on something that was really difficult um, just challenges me again to how I want to study and learn. I agree. I, I feel like we just got to just the the, the surface. I just don't feel mm-hmm. like we made it much further. And that was after a lot of good episodes. Like I felt like we, mm-hmm. I, lear- I learned a ton. Um, and at the same time, I feel like Romans is one of those books that the more I come back to it, the more I'm just humbled. Um, I mean, I think I have the reaction that Paul has at the end of Romans 11. I know we're jumping ahead here. 
Oh, the depths and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How mm-hmm. unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and to him are all things him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I mean, I just feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. the depths and the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, I know that's true of all of scripture, but when I get to mm-hmm. Romans, it feels like, man, I just, I don't yeah. know that I'm going to be able to climb this. And uh, it's been really fun to make the journey with you guys. And it's going to be fun to do it for a whole nother season. That's right. Uh, we'll be in Romans <laughs> nine. <laughs> Boom. Whoa. <laughs> We're hang on. We're yes, doing Romans yeah, no, nine, we gotta, 10, 11 in one episode, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, no need down. to do a deep dive on Romans nine to eleven. <laughs> nah. We're just gonna skip past that stuff. No, nope. be fine. Be fine. Uh, no, we and uh, listen. We've already got some great guests lined up for next season. I'm very excited. Uh, and you might be thinking, well, this sounds like it's the last episode. Is it the last episode? By no means, to use a phrase from... By no means. <laughs> this is not the last episode. We are recording a Q&A oh episode. It will come out next week. It will be our last official episode of the season. There's a bonus episode if you're over at patreon.com slash knowingfaith. We do a Patreon Q&A that's always a lot of fun. So an extra Q&A episode you can find over there. Listen, if you think now might be the time to pursue more theological training, log on to sbts.edu slash explore. This online diagnostic tool that Southern has created just for the fans of Knowing Faith will help you consider the theological training you have now, factors in what more you want to accomplish, and explores the Southern Seminary degrees that will prepare you to do even more. So whether you're exploring the idea of theological training, you feel called to full-time ministry, you can get personalized guidance at sbts.edu slash explore. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. We hope you profited from this season. If you've benefited from this podcast, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check out some of the behind-the-scenes features over at patreon.com slash knowingfaith. Find us on social media and come back next week for the Q&A episode. Grace and peace.